Hey everybody, it's Robert. Each week we talk about Patreon. The reason why is because through your donations, we're able to keep the content and the podcast rolling. So if you'd like to become a donor or a patron of our podcast, you can do so at patreon.com backslash mentors, the number four MIL, or just search mentors for military. And you can become a donor by choosing one of the tiers. We'd like to give a shout out as we do each week to Stephanie Lincoln of Fireteam Whiskey for being our biggest supporter. So thanks everybody for supporting the podcast. Please check out patreon.com and become a donor today. And now it's time for our guest this week. Meet Aaron Guyatt. Aaron Guyatt is on its master battle rope trainer, a Marine, an Iraqi war veteran, and a decorated hero. He's dedicated to popularizing ropes as being a versatile tool for training all aspects of fitness and performance. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. Well, I want to jump into, you know, a little bit about your background and everything, Aaron, because I think it'll be really helpful for the audience so they get to understand a little bit more about you. Now, in reading your bio, though, I understand that you've been in the Marine Corps for, what is it, nine years? Uh, 14. 14. Yeah. Okay. Geez, I guess yeah. I read that wrong. But, and, but most of it's reserve. So do you really count that? I mean, is it really the same? <laughs> is it active guard reserve <laughs> or is it more like, you know, like an AGR active status or is it just one week in a month type of reserve status? Yeah. One week in a month. And then they can activate us because we're kind of a special instructor cadre. Uh, so we essentially augment the school of infantry, uh, for the Marine Corps. Uh, so if the balloon goes up and they need to pull a bunch of guys off of inactive ready reserve or uh, reserve duty and spin them up with basic inventory tactics, we get stood up as well. And we just uh, instruct those people because they're still instructing the students, like the basic, the guys that are coming out of basic training or boot camp. Um, whereas we kind of help re-instruct the uh, basic Marines that are have been civilians for however many years or months. So you're talking about like the inactive ready reserve, those guys and everything, if they, you know, activate them. Uh, yep. Or what about reserve units? If they activate them, they come through you guys yep. as well before they, okay. Yeah, they can. Um, of, often they have their own uh, training protocol, you know, sure. for, for activation and stuff like that. At the same time, if we need to, we can stand in and, and run people through basic infantry tactics so they understand patrolling and, and you know, how to use their weapons and uh, orienteering and basic, uh, you know, battlefield uh, life-saving tactics and whatnot. But you were active duty for some period of time prior to going into the reserves or you've always been Correct. in the reserves? Okay, so how no, long? Yeah, active yeah. Yeah. Five years. Five years. Okay. And, uh, that was, uh, back in the day. Cause I guess you initially joined in 1999 and then, um, as I understand it, uh, you did a period of time in first Marine division as well. So you were a toe, toe gunner, toe gunner. Yeah. Toe gunner and, and scout for basically we were the, the redheaded stepchildren in a tank battalion. We were the infantry men in that tank battalion. And we do scouting missions and, and patrolling missions with our, our anti-tank missile assets. Yeah. You're talking my language now. That's what I came in as uh, initially into armor and we had toe gunners as well. And uh, it was always fun going out there and and uh, watching those guys fire those things because, you know, you got that wire that you're just trying to guide to the target. And it's a it's yeah. a bit of an art, you know, when we'd go on gunnery, you know, the whole idea was to try to hit the target. And these guys would be firing it multiple times and every once in a while they'd hit it. Uh, but it's not like I said, it's more of an art, it seemed like. 
Well, there's a lot of gunner errors. So like a lot of guys uh, will follow the reticle. You know, there's that little uh, uh, almost like an IR type light or whatever that's on the back of the missile. And at first it's, you know, it's the it's the actual flame, but then it becomes a little light. And a lot of guys will follow that. And the problem is it's going to always be offset from your actual crosshairs. So they'll follow it and it'll go away from the target because they're following a light as opposed to holding the crosshairs on the target. There's stuff like that that. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough in the Marine Corps, we can't really afford anything. Uh, so most, <laughs> well, you get the hand-me-downs. Yeah. You get the hand-me-downs yeah, oh, in the yeah. army and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So most <laughs> tow gunners don't even get to fire the missile, but I was in, you know, a, a bunch of like super squads and, and certain basically luck would have it where I was able to shoot like 12 missiles before even deploying. Uh, and then of course, when we deployed we got all sorts of stories about guys, you know, bending the missile around a building and bringing it up over chain link fences and still hitting tanks and stuff. So yeah, those, was, those things weren't light. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. That 80 pounds trying yeah. to shove an 80 pound tube up into a, a weapon system. Yeah. Not yeah. light at all. No, those things aren't light at all. And I used to feel sorry for just a little moment for those guys having to mess with that thing. So well, it was hilarious as I look at pictures of me back then. I was like 160 pounds soaking wet on a good day. And yeah. uh, I'm like, man, this thing weighs half of me. And I'm taking it out of you know its case and trying to throw it up over this uh, missile system. But the thing is, like, you just get told, like, oh, you can do it. And then you're like, oh, I guess I can do it. I don't know. Uh, and then you, and then we wonder why there's so many guys with like broken backs and whatnot. Totally. Out of the <laughs> yeah, totally. Happens, happens all over in the military. It's just one of those things anyway, is that we, uh, that we think we can run through walls when we're younger and we're told we can as well until, eh, we get to that one age. I don't know what it is. Somewhere around 30, 35 and gravity starts taking over and shit starts falling apart. And next thing you know, uh, you know. We used to we used to have a thing in the UK called um, crown immunity. So the idea was that the uh, the Queen give you dispensation from rules and laws, essentially for things like health and safety <laughs> and things. So people, you know, out in Civi, Civi Street, you'd have um, matrices for lifting and carrying in the workplace and things. And then if you was in the military, none of that applied. You could do if you could, if you could physically do it, you can do it. So that that was the good old days. But that that sort of stopped then and. Crown immunity got um, taken away, and people used to have to. Well, you've got to have your harness on, and you've got to be linked up to things, and starts getting in the way of soldering, doesn't it? You know, and makes you less effective, essentially. Well, as a sapper, yeah, you didn't have to worry about too much of lifting heavy stuff, right? Maybe a hammer or something. <laughs> 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 we did all the lifting. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, I, when you were saying crown immunity, I thought you were talking about uh, she would suspend like laws of gravity and stuff like that for you. you, you <laughs> could she, just do it, she, right? If she could do that, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, what, are you saying she doesn't have that power? Well, we're not allowed to say it on the radio. Oh, okay, got you, got you. All right. So uh, after you when uh, after you spent a period of time, I guess it was around. Um, was it what or what? I should say, what time was it when you decided to get out and become an entrepreneur? At what stage? Uh, so uh, really, like like many of us, I, I think uh, probably a lot of people that are listening, I'm sure uh, it was a it was a marriage that kind of got me out of it. Uh, I actually wanted to reenlist. I was planning on going to Fallujah and Fallujah too with the with the rest of my guys, um, but my wife at the time was like, not no, but hell no, I'm not going to do that again. So I was like, oh, okay, well I'll get out and then you know just kind of hit the ground running. Didn't didn't really think about all of the. Uh, mental implications of of you know being in combat for uh, that time period, uh, seeing you know what I saw, 
and and just sort of hit the ground running. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something great. Um, if I if I can't stay in the Marine Corps, uh, you know, I want to serve I want to serve humanity at a at a higher level. Um, and so I started in corporate America. Uh, it was a cancer lab, so I'm thinking I'm I'm you know I'm doing this great thing. Uh, but then I realized it was uber corporate I mean, I was stuck behind a desk sitting at a computer all day long writing SOPs. And I was like, this sucks, man. This is not what I signed up for. Like, I, I want to do something active and then ended up getting an opportunity to basically start from the ground up in the fitness industry. And I was a personal trainer at LA Fitness. And then I thought, this is a common theme in my entire life, but I thought, oh, I think I could do this better. Um, so I started my own business and then realized, you know, it's funny, after I sold my business, Innovative Results, uh, last year, year and a half ago, um, it, it was funny how similar it was, and it wasn't the same, but similar it was in terms of structuring and systems uh, as like LA Fitness or any big uh chain or or non-chain gym would have to be in order to pay bills and you know (laughs) exist exist in the business world right uh but but yeah so i i started a a company called innovative results one one client in one location and grew that to about 250 um clients and a team of of trainers and was able to actually sell that uh, successfully which is awesome uh and and what I realized that I love is I, I love teaching. Like I love coaching as well, but coaching is a lot of teaching. Um, and so uh, now I'm just mainly educating, educating in the fitness industry as well as educating uh, from from like a leadership perspective. But about half that time, I, I kind of was able to carve out enough time where I could still give back to the Marine Corps. And I loved it so much. And I wasn't married to that woman anymore. Um, so I, I jumped back into the Marine Corps. And actually, I thought I was going to deploy, uh, which is why I jumped into the unit that I did, uh, a light armor reconnaissance unit that had room for tow gunners. Um, but it, we actually ended up not deploying, which was kind of a bummer. And then I ended up in an instructor uh, cadre. So now I'm an educator on the outside world and an educator inside uh, the Marine Corps as it's well. It's really cool how you've been able to use your skills in both those ways, like you're describing there. But going back you know, to that initial stage, I mean, it sounds like you were already engaged in fitness for a period of time, and you just decided that that was your, your passion, I guess, and where you really wanted to take your career um, but you know, there's a lot of people and I think, you know, that's something you and I Aaron talked about that, that are coming off active duty that are making that transition or even thinking about it in the future. And, and they're not thinking about the transition, the struggle and the challenges that may happen of, of making that transition. They think that's going to be the easiest thing in their life when actually it's going to be one of the most challenging things because it's going to force you to really think about your passion. What, what is yeah. that thing that really drives you? Uh, and, and a lot of people think that that means, they go contract work, right? They do something uh-huh. that's very yeah. similar to what yeah. they're doing on active duty. But yeah. I think what you and I talked about is really doing some serious soul searching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that, that was the thing. I mean, some of it, uh, some of it I just kind of stumbled across. Uh, it, it's funny. I tell people this all the time. You know, I've been shot at. Uh, you know, uh, Iraqis try to blow me up um, multiple times. Been in a bunch of ambushes. Been in a bunch of firefights. Um, you know, I had the shit scared out of me, so to speak, uh, in when it comes to combat. But I'll tell you, I was less stressed in that environment than I was in the business environment 
uh, where basically you're out, you're out kind of on your own. You're, you're kind of making it up as you go along. Maybe you don't have good mentorship. Maybe you don't have, you know, good people to, to learn from. Uh, you're trying to read the right books, but you don't even know which are, are the right books. Um, and, and so it was in that time when I realized, you know, I did a, a bunch of sort of self-development, uh, reading and, and study, uh, it was in that time where scraping the surface of understanding who I am and understanding what, you know, what I can provide and understanding who I want to provide it to, um, was, was really important. But, uh, I realized that I needed to dive super deep in, into that in order to, bring about something that was actually worth bringing about and worth more importantly, the struggle, because I'll tell you, it was far more of a struggle to build my own business, um, than it was to exist in the Marine Corps. Um, right. Like everything is sort of, you, you have a lot of things given to you that you don't realize until you get out there and all that stuff's gone. And you're like, Oh, well, what do I have now? Well, <laughs> you know, and you were given all the training, skills, knowledge, expertise. Like you were saying, you actually, you know, when you walk out, you're you're kind of flying blind. You you have no idea. Yeah. You don't know what it takes. Uh, you say I want to start a business, so you don't know what that means in terms of, you know, getting a business license or um, starting an LLC or an S corp or whatever the case, uh, structuring it properly from a legal and tax standpoint, getting the yeah. clients like you said, and you're only as good as your next client because if you have you know one or two and they end up falling apart and you haven't gone out there and actively engaged and tried seeking new ones then you're gonna your business is gonna die in that type of case yeah. this this fits the mold of many entrepreneurs not just the physical side of it oh yeah absolutely absolutely it's this is the entrepreneurial's uh, dil- dil- entrepreneur's dilemma um, the funny part is as most Marines as well and, and I'm sure military across the board uh, you know, you, you almost uh, disdain the structure and the style of, of the Marine Corps um, when you're kind of shooting out on your own as an entrepreneur. But but what I realized is, man, if I could actually harness some of the structure that the Marine Corps gave to me and allow that to help um, better my team, better myself, better my clients, like now I can use some of that stuff as an advantage in the workplace. And now I'm actually, you know, some of the strengths and skills that I acquired in the Marine Corps are now profiting me in the business world. But most time, you know, we think, oh, well, we're in the business world, so we got to do it the business way. This is the only way to do it. I got to find the right business mentor. And and it's like, oh, man, uh, you know, the military is flawed. There are problems, clearly, um, you know, with some of the training and some of the stuff. But there are a ton of structural and, and strengths that the military does have that have, I mean, we, it's tried and tested, right. By right. hundreds, if not, you know, millions and millions of, of men and women that go through that machine. Um, I mean, clearly they got something down They're They're doing something right. Um, and so being able to see that and use, use the strengths, uh, you know, where they can be used, use the structure where it can be used. I, I thought that was, uh, really important as well. I think part of the thing that people who sh- leave the military struggle with if they go into entrepreneurship often is translating those skills from a military setting and how they can work into a business setting. And if you got the ability to do that, like you said, a lot of the processes and systems that work in the military, you can certainly adapt those to whatever industry it may be um, out in, in the civilian field. But it, it's having that ability to translate from one language into another language, essentially, and convert it across. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was talking uh, to Robert last time before we hopped on the call about this vision intention means. So Dallas Willard kind of came up with this uh, idea of, you know, articulating, casting your vision. Um, and then out of that, building the intentions that you that you need to have in, in your intentional conversations or your in, intentional uh, actions and thoughts and things like that. And then and then followed up with the actual means like that acting it out, like actually doing it. And that vision intention means helped me. So, hey, this is the vision that I want. What areas of the Marine Corps can I pull in or what things that I've learned in my childhood can I pull in or what things uh, that I'm discovering about myself and my purpose can I, I pull in and, and keep it in line or like you said, uh, adjust, right? I maybe adjust it, just create a little bit of a nuance in this particular strength or this particular system so that it can be profitable or so that it can be, it can help with performance or whatever for uh, my team or myself or, or the, the client or the end user. I like the term vision intention because, um, you know, I mean, a lot of people you know, struggle with trying to create a vision, something that's really a stretch that's out there that they want to attain. And it could be something really short, uh, but specific. And then, you know, getting that intent, building that, that uh, tactical way strategy of how you're going to go about executing and creating that vision and landing at that point, then your vision may be very, very grandiose to some. But that's okay because um, it's the journey along the way. You know, it's the it's the life lessons that you're going to learn that's going to help you um, maybe even mold that a little bit more, uh, so that you know it's it's not written in stone. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah. It, it's well, yeah. You don't you don't live in your vision. Right. You live in in the now. In the moment. But yeah. you think about the vision. If you don't, then where are you walking? You're not going to walk in. You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be stuck where you're at. Right. Right. No. So it makes perfect sense. What was the ways in which you found was the best way to express that? I mean, did you write it down? Was it something that you developed the plan on a piece of paper or was it just all stuck in your head? Yeah. So I, for me, you know, I do constant, constant writing. I mean, here's my little uh, military. If, if, and for those that are listening, you can't see it. It's that little, it's that little green book. Um, and I just got, you know, writing after writing after writing. I mean, I was but I was journaling even even in the Marine Corps when I was 20 stupid years old and, and didn't really know any better. I was just kind of throwing down ideas and thoughts and whatever. Um, but yeah, so I, I do a lot of writing, um, but I'll, I'll tell other people, I'm like, draw pictures, uh, you know, tell people like if you if you like to, you know, tell people stuff or, or like for me, speaking out loud is also kind of therapeutic where I can hear hear my thoughts and then, oh, maybe that's not right and, and adjust it on the fly. So find somebody that that isn't annoyed by you and and tell them. Uh, but any way you cut it. The more you talk about it, the more you think about it, um, the more you write it down, uh, the more you the more you articulate it. Basically, uh, you can't go anywhere you don't know. Uh, so if if I can't articulate it, then not only am I not going to be able to go there, but if I have employees, they're not going to be able to go there. If I have a team, they're not going to be able to go there. Uh, if I have a mentor, he's not going to or she's not going to be able to go there to help mentor me to that position. It's just like land nav where, yeah, you have a grid that represents it, but there's also very particular terrain and we could see it on a map. But then we also, if we can clarify that terrain as it would look when you come upon it, then our squad or our team is going to have a, our unit is going to have a far better chance of ending up in the right location. 
Um, even in the middle of the night, you know, we, we're using things like, your, hey, here's the, here's the bearing, here's the azimuth that we need to stick with, and here's exactly how many feet we need to walk in order to get there. Um, and I guess that, you know, part of that is going from vision to intention as well as like intention is more like walking out the steps. Um, what are some of the actions? What are some of the, like you were saying, strategies and, and tactics to get us to that point? Um, but if we don't, if we don't clarify that point, then there's, we're, we're not going to be moving to anything. We're going to be just stuck in the doldrums and, and not aware of, of, you know, what we could do or what we want or, or what, what, what our purpose is or passion is. I think you mentioned a, a key part there, um, Aaron, about getting it down on something, you know, and getting it out, outside of your head. And I think mm. once you get it outside of your head, when, when you're thinking about it, it's there, it's, it's very personal to you you're the only person in the world who who knows about it it's inside your brain but once you get it out whether it be writing it down telling somebody it it forms reality then doesn't it you know and it becomes a living breathing thing then and once you've you've established that and i think you know journaling is key to doing that and i'm similar to you i i write things down all the time and you know different technologies now i know robert's a hates technology but you know taking audio what? notes and things in you know, we won't talk about google uh, oh, I, other. I just have a problem with uh yeah i just have a problem with listening devices that has nothing to do with technology so but you know use, using I, I can't remember who the lady was but uh, she's a, a, a ceo of a, a major brand and she she kind of lives 15 minutes outside of her office but she drives the long way around to get to her office every morning because you know and going home she uses that time as thinking time and you're not you're not in the house you're not in that mode you're not in work and you're not in that mode then with everything that comes from answering your emails and the phone going the door knocking so she uses that as thinking time and she was saying how she uses the the audio recording uh, function on her phone and she takes audio recordings then of things she wants to talk about and then i would imagine get someone to dictate those out and um, uh, transcribe those out for her then you know but it's putting it down in a physical manner as opposed to being still as a a concept i guess within your brain isn't it oh yeah absolutely well and then and there's something about when you make it a reality even if it's just on paper it holds you accountable to what your you know what your purpose is or what your thoughts are what your you know vision is Uh, it's kind of kind of cool and then when you start telling more people uh, now it's now you've got this under underlining accountability and almost like a responsibility. Like, man, if I'm going to talk about it, I better be about it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but that's basic leadership too. You know, uh, when I was listening to you describing the vision intention, there's a lot in, in it, especially around you know communicating that so that your team understands uh, understands that the people around you can see exactly what you're talking about and can and can clearly understand that vision to me that's part of just leadership in oh yeah uh, yeah in creating that vision and making sure that everybody's on board and understands their role and what it is that we're going to do here so what again what you've done is you've taken a lot of the skills and knowledge and information that you've had as a non-commissioned officer as a leader among men and in, in trying to mold them and and realizing that listen that's the same type of thing that I have to apply to when I start a business how I can get clients how I can have clients believe in me and what I'm trying to accomplish here because let's face it the easiest way to grow as an entrepreneur is through word of mouth if you can get you know people talking about you and your business and describing it in the same passion and the same way that you did to them 
then you've hit the holy grail here because you don't have to go out and you know buy spots on social media or whatever the case may be in order to get a following. It's the people that are now emulating you and becoming more errands out there for you, bringing in additional business. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was my whole jump into the this leaders of leaders concept. I, you know, I I got sort of frustrated with um, people thinking, and still now, as social media, it's prevalent. Like, oh, I'm an influencer, and people thinking, well, uh, if I'm going to be a good leader, then I better have a a bunch of followers. And it's like, honestly, if if you have a million followers, I'll take the leader that has created or empowered or inspired one leader mm-hmm. under under him or under her versus somebody who has just a million followers cuz they're they're all they're doing is just following you they're I, I for me it's like i'm about hey let's create I, if you're a good leader or if then yeah cool you should have a good following but mm-hmm. if you're a great leader you should be developing and in, inspiring and empowering leaders and and at that point it's okay if they, you know, even rise above you because there's going to be a, a a piece of you that they're taking with them uh, to their, you know, to their way on the top. And what a what a better way than uh, to market than to, you know, have people go, oh man, this guy had such a great effect on me, or this woman had such a great effect on me uh, because they led me to where I am today. And now, I mean, you're going to have nonstop. Um, people coming to you asking for that same uh, that same ability that you gave her or him or whoever that leader was that that um, came from you from your hum- tribe. Humility is one of the hardest things uh, for a leader to understand. I mean, you have to be humble, and you got like you said, you've got to be a true leader uh, in that you're you're building up the people around you. You're building them to replace you. That's the whole idea of it. And you want to surround yourself with the the you know the most. Um, uh, you know, the best uh, uh, people and stuff to help build you up and make you better. What I like what you're seeing too, though, is like if you're going out there and let's just take your your world and you're in health and fitness and you're, you're having clients by which you're um, building them up and helping them become, say, another Aaron, another fitness instructor where they at least feel confident that they can go out and do some of the same things. I mean, to me, that's the ultimate compliment. I would yeah. think that would be the same for you is to go out and say, hey, Aaron, I'd like to be just like you. They're not going to be your direct competition because more than likely they're going to be offering something very different. It's going to be in maybe in a, a different community or whatever the case. But so what if it is? Because they will probably be the first to say everything I learned, I learned from Aaron. Yeah. Well, and especially if you have that humility, it's the other problem is if you have the ego and you're restricting and holding down, then when those people, even if they did learn a lot from you, when those people jump out and they're like, man, I'm over this guy's ego, I'm over this, you know, him restricting me and holding me back and only letting me go this high. When they go out, they're not going to say, Hey, I learned it. They're going to be like, man, that guy was an asshole, you know, and that guy was a, uh, a hard boss to deal with or hard leader to deal with or hard manager to deal with. Um, and so, yeah, how, how, how much we can actually flip that script when we allow for autonomy, we allow for, you know, people to discover, uh, mastery. Maybe they, they start their mastery under you, but then they continue their mastery beyond, you know, beyond you. Um, and you're right. Yeah, that's the ultimate compliment. Um, and, and forever you're going to get, you know, uh, uh, a reciprocation of that. Uh, and, it, and it's going to be unintentional. You're not going to you're not like doing that so that you can get more from them in their future. You're right. doing it because you actually give a crap about they, them and their life. Yeah. 
Yeah, genuinely mm-hmm. care. And, and that's that's yeah. the main important takeaway, too. So getting back to somebody who's, you know, looking at trying to find their purpose or passion, what is it that you found to be the easiest way? I know you mentioned about expressing it often, writing it down, trying to, to see what then um, comes of that. Um, but are there key things that people can look at to try to help them identify what their their passion is or what their purpose? How do you even start, in other words? Yeah, I, I, well, I think it's important to understand, you know, everybody has a belief system, um, you know, and, and we all believe that here's the thing. A, a lot of times we'll, we'll state, hey, I believe X or I believe Y. Or, for instance, we'll just use the leaders of leaders concept. Oh, I believe that every great leader should develop other, other leaders. It's one thing to state it. It's quite another thing to act it out or to actually prove that you do believe that. Yeah. Um, so really trying to understand. And the the greatest way that I've discovered this is asking, it, it, the, the crappy part is you gotta be humble enough and you gotta be open enough to hear what other people actually feel about you. But um, going to people and uh, you know just authentically asking like, hey, you know, what do you think that my strengths are? What do you think my, my weaknesses are? I'm, I'm totally open to, you know, as, uh, harsh feedback as, as you need to deliver to me because I truly do want to um, understand who I am and then further articulate my, my purpose and, and my passions. And then some of it is as simple as, you know, what are the things that you, that, that bring you satisfaction? And I, and I, I almost disdain this like happiness mantra that, that uh, seems to uh, march around in everybody's minds uh, nowadays where it's like, oh, you're, you're only good or you're only successful if you're happy. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think it's happiness necessarily. Uh, I think it's satisfaction. Um, because here's the thing, like I realized I like, I learned to work hard from my parents and I like working hard. And I, I especially like working hard when, you know, I get to see a finished product or, or something done. And, and to me, that brings me great satisfaction. But most of the time when I'm working hard, I'm not happy. I'm not like, hey, this is the best moment of my life. Usually it's like, man, this is hard. This sucks. Uh, this is monotonous or, or um, this is difficult. This is challenging. Um, but in that difficult, in that challenge, I mean, that's where the reward is so much greater and the satisfaction is so much greater when you are able to accomplish it. And we think about it like with things in the military, like most of the time when you were training, uh, you know, it's, it sucked, it was hard. Uh, but there's this, there's this incredible camaraderie, there's this incredible unity, and there's this incredible elation at the end of a training evolution or at the end of uh, some sort of objective where it's like, man, you see that? And then everybody talks about that, right? Everybody talks about those days. Hey, remember when we, you know, did that Hector A. Cafferata challenge and you, you know, 85% of everybody quit, but you and me and this other guy, like we stuck with it and we, we handled it. Uh, I mean, those things get talked about for, for eternity, as, well, at least as long as uh, we're alive to talk about it, right? <laughs> right. Um, and, so, and so I think that that's it too, is like finding, finding what brings you great satisfaction um, you know, what gives you those, ah, like, you know, invigorating moments, uh, in, in terms of whether it's, uh, actions that you do work that you do, uh, play that you do recreation. Uh, I mean, you name it and, and kind of poking holes in that. 
Um, and then I know Simon Sinek talks a lot about like your why. And I think that's really what all this stuff kind of leads to. Mm-hmm. Um, when you understand your belief system, truly what you truly believe because you're walking it out and, and you know, you s- sort of have this uh, assumptive faith about uh, what you believe when you understand, you know, what get, brings you satisfaction. And then you understand what your like deeper values are. Like, uh, like for me, it was like justice, like to the point where, you know, I'll, I would, you know, I would, if I saw my older brother, uh, being picked on by somebody in, in high school, like, I don't care if that guy was six foot eight, 350 pounds, I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to try to serve some sort of justice um, chances are I'm going to get my ass kicked, but I'm going to at least try because I believe, you know, very deeply in, in justice or it might not be justice for you. It might be, um, you know, honor or valuing life or, uh, transformation, or there's a, there, you know, there's tons of things, uh, that we can have, uh, uh, deep affection for in terms of values. Um, and so once, I think once those are established, then it's like, okay, well, what does this look like in a future in a future vision, right? In, in a future picture of, of what my best self as my beliefs are kind of set. I've, I've got my feedback from my, uh, from my friends and my family and even maybe some of my foes um, and the things that bring great satisfaction and the, and the deep values that I hold. Okay, what, is that, what would that look like if that were to be a business or if that were to be an organization or if that were to be a you know, fill in the blank? Um, and then when, and then you'll start articulating and you'll realize, man, like this is something worth working for. This is something, you know, that I would, I would, you know, be broke for eight years pursuing this because it, it, I hold it that high in my esteem. I hold it that high in my mind. Yeah. You know, I give some of the same advice, not just to active duty military that are coming out, but also uh, friends and family that ask me for my opinion on some of the same things. Like, how do I um, find what I need to what I really enjoy doing in my next job? How can I find the right job for me? And I, I love how you put it because it's exactly what I tell them. It's sort of like taking out the old checklist that you used to have. where you had the pluses and minuses. You get down with a piece of paper Make it real simple. Start writing down the things that you really enjoy doing in those past jobs. Also, what were the things that you absolutely hated doing? You know, and then um, it's sort of like when you start writing a paper, you start grouping things together to form paragraphs or to form chapters or whatever the case may be. You do the same thing like what you were describing and you put those things together and they start formulating something. They start telling the story and it comes out the paper uh, and becomes a lot more real to you. And you can then add to that. And believe it or not, those are the things that you should be putting in your resume. That's how you should be then formulating and writing it, because then you're you're really showing who you are and what you value most in your next position and how you then can add value to that next company uh, that you're going to go out there and work for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, gone are the days of you know, trying, at least I don't think it's a good move to, Hey, I'm going to formulate this resume for what I think they want to hear. But then now you've, you've just set yourself up for failure because you're going to jump in there and you're going to have to go against the grain on the things that if, if there are things that are against what you like, it's like, because, Hey, that was the resume that you wrote. That was the person that you presented to them. So now you got to be that person, even if you don't like that person. 
Well, you got to take it out of the military jargon, too, because too many folks actually still try to think of the things that they enjoy or don't enjoy from a military perspective. Just look at it with a different set of lens. Try to look at it as an individual who doesn't understand the military, and how would you then express that in such a way that they would understand what it is that you did? You know, and what you're trying to describe within those sentences and stuff. And I think, um, too, that helps you start formulating a vision that's very clear, that's very, you can call it civilianized, whatever the case may be. But it's a clear vision that anybody from any walk of life can clearly understand. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of the trick, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Make, make it so a third grader can understand it. Yeah. If a third grader can understand it, then everybody's going to be able to understand it, to include yeah. uh, the dumb Marines that are chewing on crayons over well, here. Well, I, I was going <laughs> to – when you were talking about writing down and uh, and uh, painting pictures, I started to go down that path, but I, I didn't know. I was going to ask you if we should take out a box of crayons, but uh, – <laughs> Well, they are delicious, so <laughs> – uh, so some of the stuff that you've been doing um, here lately, though, has been more around going around and speaking and stuff like that and giving some uh, insight to additional folks. What are some of the ways um, that people can get in contact with you? And I know you also have a fitness program around, you know, the ropes and everything. So maybe if you could tell us a little bit about the Battle Ropes Master, you know, what that means and, and what you have there. And then if people want to find you as well. So yeah, there there would be probably two two ways. Uh, one, uh, and we didn't really talk about this at all, um, but is uh, I'm a cadre member, and I'm kind of like the peon amongst the the super high level uh, tier one special operators. But I, I basically I, I got selected to be the the fitness cadre um, person for this thing called the process and you can find it at the special forces experience.com and it's basically a canadian special uh, forces guy who who got out uh retired from from the military and he wants to bring a special forces experience uh and obviously you can only do so much in eight days but it, it's kind of cool because he's basically putting you through the meat grinder or we are putting you through the meat grinder in eight days. And we're doing this on purpose because we, we know that there's such a thing called post-traumatic stress disorder, right? We talk about it all the time. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's in media and, 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 you know, and, and I think we need to honor that and respect that and know that, but there also is something that we can experience that is post-traumatic growth. And so I, I love that, that we can kind of flip, flip the post-traumatic piece on its ear and tell people, look, hey, traumatic experiences can shape you, but we, but if, if we can set you up for success, maybe this traumatic experience can shape you in a better way, can, mm-hmm. can help you discover who you are truly deeply. And, and so we kind of talked about this a little bit, but really understand who you are when you, when you uh, face all sorts of different challenges, who you are uh, when you have to be with yourself uh, in your own head uh, for a long period of time in a in a really challenging environment, discover who you really are when when you're confronted with really difficult choices and ethical dilemmas and things like this. Um, and so the whole goal of this is actually to present each participant with a panel of their personality. And so there's we actually have psychologists, psychiatrists, oh, wow. obviously. Uh, tier one special operators, um, fitness people like myself. Um, and we're going to just take, uh, 
notes after notes after notes on each person. They're going to go through a bunch of uh, psychological uh, panels, like normal tests that um, any corporation or, or um, organization might use, um, like the Myers-Briggs or something like that, right? Sure. Um, and we're running them through a bunch of those panels. But at the same time, we're also going to just smash you through the meat grinder of the hardest challenge you've probably ever experienced in your life. And And the cool part is this is people that got out of the military that maybe wanted to do something like that, but never did or never had a chance to, or, or got screwed over by their recruiter or, you know, whatever it is, they can jump in. But then as well, you know, just, uh, any civilian can jump in and it's, it's made for males. Um, so it's guys only. Um, but it's basically this, uh, it's to help also create a network of like-minded men that have all gone through a significant traumatic experience to help uh, create um, and inspire growth and and personal and professional development. Um, so that that would be a huge one. Um, and I'm just honored to be a part of that team, part of that cadre. Um, and again, you could check it out at the special forces experience.com. Um, the moment you apply, is the moment we start walking stuff out with you, we'll start sending you certain things. And then right before the, the date, uh, the first training day, we're going to, we're going to send you the coordinates and you got to meet us at a certain spot. And from that spot, then the meat grinder begins and we find out really who you are and you find out who you are, which is I think the point. Sure. Um, so that's cool. And then the, on the fitness side, um, so yeah, battle ropes education, to me, uh, battle ropes was nuanced and different. Uh, I discovered some of the the same physics variables in rope that are actually in the mechanical um, physics that we use in in barbell or dumbbell or whatever. And in that, um, I, I was able to kind of reposition or, or change the lens to help trainers and coaches understand how to develop metabolic pathways. And um, so I know that's a lot of syllables and a lot of words, um, which I'm betraying my, my craniating uh, brethren right now. But, uh, <clears throat> but basically, it's, we all have power. We all have strength. We all have endurance. What, what do you need of each of those um, and how much of it for the, for the particular job you're in? So if you're a combat athlete, uh, you're in the military, you're a special operator, or you're, um, you know, MMA fighter or whatever. You need to have a, a blend of all three in order to be able to uh, be proficient in your in your job and in your position. But maybe if you're just a general, um, everyday, uh, average Jane or average Joe, uh, and all you want to do is is be healthy, you still are going to want access to power to be able to save your kids from a you know fast moving vehicle or something like that. Uh, you want access to strength uh, so that you can pick yourself up if you fall down. Um, and then you also obviously want uh, endurance. And so I help kind of break that down with a, a very multifaceted tool that, that can actually apply and create um, metabolic adaptations in all of those power, strength, and endurance uh, facets. But the cool part is it's just with one tool. So all you need is a rope and you can you can hit um, all of those things. And, and so you can find me there at, at battleropes.org. And there's uh, a bunch of free stuff that you can get where you can kind of learn some of these basics uh, to help you along that fitness journey. Um, and then obviously, if you want to dive deep, you know, I, I'm teaching trainers and coaches uh, day in, day out. Um, and so on Instagram, you could check out battle rope exercises and then Aaron Guyette, and then, of course, uh, Leaders of Leaders. Excellent. 
Man, I really appreciate you coming on, Aaron, and sharing some of your background and insights and stuff, especially as it relates to not only vision and tension, but just what you just described there. Because uh, I, I think that people are always looking on the outside for a way to connect and a way to continue serving. And you just describe a couple different ways in which they can do that and, of course, continue their health and fitness. So I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've been really enjoying uh, listening to the podcast. So I'm just honored to be able to, to be on it and be interviewed and, and hopefully give some value to the listeners that are out there. If you enjoyed the show today with Aaron, you do not want to miss out on becoming a patron of our podcast. By joining as a new patron between now and the end of 2018, you'll get a free month access that delivers all of enthusiast level and expert level access, seven done-for-you battle rope training programs, 20% off all battle ropes education workshops, a one-hour phone call with a master coach, quizzes for each done-for-you program to help you retain the programming and understanding of training with the battle rope, and a certificate of completion. Be sure to join our patron site at patreon.com backslash mentors, the number four MIL, to take advantage of this offer.